Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. An Erios production. Would I kill my own baby to save a village? Would I go back in time and kill Hitler? Would I take the promotion at work? With strings attached? Would I eat muffins for the rest of my life if it meant I didn't have to go to school? Would I have Satan's child? The Big Ones! Hi everyone and welcome to The, the Big, Big Ones! Ones. Each week, we discuss new ethical questions ranging from historical decisions to relationship problems to brain-busting moral choices. The problems can be complicated to discuss, but they're always fun to talk about because they force you to look deep, deep, deep with inside yourself. Will you like what you see, Eric, Eric Edelstein? Edelstein? Yay! Wow. You say Stein, I say Steen. What is it? It's actually technically Stein. But I'll oh. reply to either, and it's kind of, that's one of my moral quandaries, is people keep mispronouncing it. And, like, I've done three episodes of Doug Benson's podcast yeah. now, and he says Eric Edelstein. And I don't want to correct Eric him. Eric Edelstein. It's technically Edelstein, Wait but I've minute. also been corrected on Eric it Eric Edelstein. I knew that it was Edelstein. Why did I say Edelstein? No, then? I said Edelstein. <laughs> yeah, you had it. Oh. But I'll, I'll are respond you sure? to, to anything. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> And maybe Doug will hear this and passive aggressively. I say Edelstein. Yeah, you said it correctly. I said it incorrectly. But you're in good company because there's like Rogers and Hammerstein. People don't know if it's Hammerstein. Anything. Yeah. Um, 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 Frankenstein. I'm always like Frankenstein. Yeah. Like Frankenstein. Oh. But then the, that's the German pronunciation, but I've also been corrected on it by people out here like, no, it's Steen, man. And I'm like, I, I don't talk to my dad. Talk to my right. grandpa. I don't oh my know. God. But I'm also thrilled to respond to anything. It's and just like, nice when someone's saying your full name. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of great. Or I feel just fancy. acknowledging you, even oh, if yeah. it's in the wrong... No, I'm thrilled to be here at Gower, you know? <laughs> so, <clears throat> hold on. Friend. Eric. <laughs> Eric, we've known Eric for quite a while. Ghost Girls. Ghost Girls. Which is just one of my favorite... You guys gave me one of my favorite jobs ever. Yeah, that ever. was the it, best, It was glorious, right? and I got to really go for it. And at the time, I was playing mostly henchmen. I was grateful to you. But beyond anything else... <laughs> Y'all had the coolest episodes ever, and I walked in the room, and there was Dave Grohl and Jack oh. Black, but I just went off looking for Val Kilmer. Oh, yeah, and oh, he was course. he laying on the couch eating pita chips? Yeah. I, I'm like, I'm allowed to be here. I'm a fellow yes. actor. My name's on the call sheet, and then I just wanted to see Val, and I was obsessed with him. He's and I best. walked in the room, and he just let out a burp. He went, ah! And then he stuck out his hand and just went, Tums! And his assistant came running over and put Tums in his hand. And I left the room like, that's better than an autograph. That's better than a picture. Val burped, just stuck out his hand. That's Clearly it happened a thousand times. Just went, Tums. And yeah. it was awesome. And it kind of sounded like Jim Morrison from The Doors asking Well, did for you it. see when they started playing, uh, what they started playing a Doors song. He was singing it. Dave Grohl was on the drums playing it. And they were like singing like Light My Fire or something like that. 
because we uh. were we were recording we were doing it in a recording studio so they had all the instruments and all the crew crew members the crew guys were like whoa that was one of the most like surreal days of my life and it was it happened so early like our careers were like it was like pre-careers not like we have careers but it was mm-hmm. like i was like oh this is my life now or maybe amanda it was when we had a career oh I th- okay maybe but we didn't know it yeah yeah but i was like oh i guess this is my life now and then it was like no this is like the one time in your life anything yeah. like this would ever ha- you'd ever be involved in anything yeah. like this I mean, Val, I have a weird theory. I think he played Jim Morrison. I think Jim never quite left. I think that's kind of what he thinks too, right? Oh, does he really? Oh, I don't know, I, but I, I feel bet. like... I want to go to Hellmell Studios. You know he has an office over on Melrose and yeah. Helix Road and he has screenings and now he's like got a storefront and he's selling stuff. Val does? Val does. We, we should probably go. We need to get back go. in contact yeah. with Val because there was a while when we, after we, Ghost Girls, we really bonded with him. We went to Valibu. No, you did not. Yes, yeah. we did. We no. went to Malibu. He what? Us to va- va- his please Malibu. tell me. Please tell me. It was amazing. <laughs> it, was the best. it was a it was a Malibu uh, summer party, and it was Val just hosting Malibu's finest. No. He had. Uh, it was catered. It was at his beach house. There were, you know, uh, all people from all walks of life. Stephen Merchant was there. No. Yeah. I d- He's a tall man. He's taller than me. Yeah. Very he is. nice man. Tell him about the drama that happened. <gasps> oh, then he, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm telling tales out of school, but he had invited two people that weren't getting along anymore and he was waiting oh, to see on, if they the were names. it was mel and his wife gibson no, and his ex really? and he was like i don't know if he they're both gonna show up and a little you know something's gonna happen he was waiting for those fireworks wow and then he like he did he does all these beautiful collages that are just really funny too like there was one with david schwimmer i remember that was just what? really funny just where it was like david schwimmer's <laughs> face in the middle <laughs> He's a true artist. And then we went he into is. one of his bedrooms he and he was showing us all these Batman memorabilia thing like he had like and my brother came with us and then Matt a man he was Amanda's boyfriend at the time now husband and they were both like whoa and Amanda and I were like I don't I guess that's cool it was like some sort of flinger. And my favorite thing oh it was the bat um, ninja star thing. No. Bat star. Are yeah. you kidding? Uh-huh. No I'm serious. <laughs> it was on the wall. And <sighs> um, the best part of the whole day was when we got our cars back because there was of oh course ballet you got in your car and there was a party favor that was set there and it was a dvd of his one-man show as mark twain no yeah Yeah. no 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 which we went to go see and went backstage afterwards and just chatted with val we text i think i texted him i was like val we just saw your show and he was like come backstage are you and and, because i've wanted to see the show and i've had tickets and it got canceled i mean i'm down with val i saw him play moses at the kodak theater val kilmer is moses and I, i went when i was like 26 maybe i just moved out here but do you know the deal with this mark twain thing is that hal holbrook has copywritten for performing all all the famous and good mark twain stuff i don't know and he's like 95 so val has to kind of do the scraps but i've seen it he still shapeshifts and turns into mark twain he was like he's great no he's he's amazing and i do think we should go to hellmell studios let's do it they're they're having open houses now val comes out the art is for sale there's probably collages there's dreams there i'd have one of those collages i I would love one i think we we gotta go we We really okay this is happening yeah big ones field trip we're going to hellmell studios we love you val you're an icon 
He's the best. Everything, no, he's a hero. He was so like just really kind to us. He and, was and so he kind. He did a great job in Ghost Girls. I mean, he did need those big cue cards, but you know what? He, he <laughs> what big it. cue cards? You remember, he had these big cue cards. No, for all his lines. Do you have the song, Amanda? Can yeah. you play? Can you play the oh, song? No way. Are you kidding? Did Let you hear the yeah. song in Ghost Girls that he sang? Okay, so we wrote. You heard? Were you were there when they oh, played yeah. it? Oh yeah. It's like yeah. the best song. No, it's he's a legit hero he he he's a talent and jack black sings on it too he did he does that so the 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 episode we're talking about is the ghost girls finale two-part finale uh from 2013 and basically jack black dave Grohl, and val kilmer play a band that that died before that the while they were fighting and the reason they're ghosts now is because they never got to play their this their song i can't quite remember <laughs> No, yeah, that was, was it. Something like and that. And then Eric played like a music, like in a documentary <laughs> behind the music thing, like a mus- musicologist that was just like telling t- telling the tales about the band. You and Kyle Gass. Yes. And that whole day was just a dream. I, yeah. couldn't, I couldn't believe any of it. And it was like one of those days you're like, if I knew this was going to end up happening, moving down here, I wouldn't have believed it. Like to walk in that room. I know. And then Dave Grohl was just sitting in the main room with everybody else. He wasn't sequestered like Val. Val needed his space. He was about Val to Val needed his ship. space, but I have a great picture of Amanda sitting on the couch with Val. He's got a big pile of pita chips on his belly and then <gasps> Amanda's just sitting there like with your arm just the most casual they'd met like five minutes before and they were just we lounging. Really, yeah, we really bonded. So I'm going to play just a little bit of the of their song. It's called Back to the Beginning. It's so good. Let's see if you and can. And I am that's Val. That's Val's voice, and that's I don't know who's playing drums, but then harmonies are Jack Black. Living the dream of some of closest friendships in hell. We screwed it up, but after all, we're back to singing. When we stick together, we always feel like we're winning. Oh, it's a uh, legit yeah. great song. And then they go, and then they turns into like Freebird at the end, and they go like off. Here, I'll give you just one more little taste of um of another song that they did called Georgia Peach. Oh yeah, that was another good one. I'm gonna caress the fuzz when I get off the bus. I'm gonna give a lot of love and I'll be a little rough. Trying to get back to my baby. That's a hit. That's, sorry, that's who wrote them? Dan Gross. Dan Gross does all the music for Drunk History now, and Dan was love him. Dan was literally when we did our Ghost Girls pilot presentation was just like part of the production company was like here there's this guy we work with you can use and we had no idea who he was immediately started like making this kind of music and we were like this is the crazy you're the most talented person in the world wow because they're earworm songs they're hits they're hits they're hits and i think jack came in and uh, helped with some of the lyrics especially for back to the beginning why didn't we go to the studio when they recorded that i don't know those are available amanda tell them where on itunes you can buy those you can buy those songs friends buy them you buy them. Um, I don't know if we get any of the. Uh, I don't know where that money goes. Or honestly, just email us and we'll send them to you. <laughs> well, look at that. Who else does that? We should That's post sincere. them on our Patreon. Yeah. Well, let's pivot from. It's been fun reminiscing. Yeah, but let's sure come has. back to the present. Please. Okay, because oh. we're here. We have a job to do. 
Dang right we do. Yeah. So, Eric, did you bring in a little moral dilemma you want to talk about? <sighs> you know, I did. And it's like I find myself kind of becoming more and more of a curmudgeon, and especially about phones. Mm. Okay. And my number one, I feel like there's two kinds of people now. People that play videos on their phones loudly and public mm. and those that don't. And it drives me nuts because I know people write country songs about the sadness of eating lunch alone. But I love eating lunch alone. Yeah. I just had dumplings over there on Sunset How listening to Steve Agee. It's place? incredible. I've never had it. I it's, always want it. Friend, it's so good. And is you it get that the little sauces. walk-in place? It's the, the walk-in place, but they have some seating now. And it's so darn good. Mm. And I was in there and I like had a, you know, a thing in to my ear listening to the Steve Agee podcast. I love Steve Agee with, with, with y'all. And... But I would never play it out loud. And it drives no. me nuts. And I kind of have this high standard for my friends. And I think it's crazy to, I guess, do that. But I, this week, walked in to a sushi place in Little Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And it was totally quiet. And my buddy started playing a video from a concert at like an ear-splitting level. No. I know. And I was so surprised. And I think I have to, I wanted to ask you guys, but I think I have to talk to him about it because it just, I can't let him be one of those loud video and public people because it drives me nuts. And like when I sit alone for lunch and people do it, they'll loudly exchange videos the whole time. Like this is abuse. I don't want to hear this. And and one day I swear, I'm going to bring in a little mini speaker and attach it to my phone and just start playing Neil Young stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to, to blare them out. I'm like, what? No, this is yeah. open. We're yeah. allowed to loudly play stuff at lunch? Yeah. Well, I, th- this is a show in Antwerp, and I was there, and he played on the beach. So we're going to listen to that since we're allowed to play stuff at lunch. But th- but listen to me. I'm sounding crazy. No, no. I'm you're sounding not. unreasonable, you're not. but it's kind of driving me you're nuts. Not. You're right? absolutely so not. So how do I approach it with him, with empathy? Did you say anything to him when he did it initially? No, but I was shocked because it was ear splitting, and I would think he would tell. And I've also been like post on social media like friends the, the correct time to play a video in public is never <laughs> i see so you have taken you've shouted yeah, it to the community but, may, but, but not. maybe i've shouted but it's like most stuff on social media like i'll do that I'm like okay this tweet is going to be the one and it'll be like one like yeah yeah, yeah. one like one one random person responds and it's a bot and then so, i'll delete and then i'll delete it oh, if there's, I've deleted if there's so only many one one like within like a 10 minute span it's gone you gone do? friend gone mm-hmm. but i'm sure i'm like this is it this is the yeah tweet this that is finally, the one cracks me i know and then i'm deleting it an hour later because i'm like no one really i know just the same weirdo that that i've never met in missouri (laughs) wow so what do i do and how do i approach you have to say something so i've i've had this experience too um where when it's someone i'm with like say i mean it's it's kind of there's a line so sometimes someone will try and show me a video and any sort of video makes me uncomfortable in a, in a, at a restaurant I've yeah. also always been like this like a little hyper aware of decorum at restaurants mm-hmm. um, I get a little bit more relaxed now but I think it's just because I don't know I'm like a rule follower Whoa. oh no Amanda's mic- microphone's going wild um, whoa. Oh, that's crazy <laughs> uh, put your phone in it hold on okay yeah <laughs> um, oh, no. but anyway so when any anytime anyone ever plays a video i'm like you shouldn't be doing this but i'll at least say if it's too loud i'll be like oh t- hey hey turn that down a little bit so i think you had every right to tell your friend to like turn it down yeah i think this is the first time they've done it yeah but it was ear splitting and like other patrons were were looking because yeah, I know you and have I'm so, to say you have yeah, I don't I wait do. until you don't wait until the next time oh yeah they do no it. no I think you wait until if they do it again around you because if someone if it's like a three second thing of like a child like look my kid just walked and the volume's low I'm like, yeah 
okay, I guess. Yeah. But well, this seems like something you'd show me in the parking lot. I mean, I'm glad the kid's walking, but, you know? <laughs> I'm sensitive to anyone pulling out their phone at when you're at a meal with them. Even to yes. lift something up, I just get I get tense, and I'm guilty of it as well. But I that is something that I'm I'm sensitive to. I'm like I don't don't pull that up right now. Like it's a text. It's a this picture. is time. I'm this is my time. I'm a valuable. Yeah, or I just feel like this is wrong because I just have this idea that we should not have our phones out if we're at a restaurant. Like I don't care if we're at home eating dinner in front of the TV or I'm you know it's very casual. But if I'm at a meal with someone, that's like how I feel that you should dress up to go to the theater. Yeah. Like and it's like like 100 percent and like people will go in jeans and I'll look and I'll be like, what's going on? This is the this. I'm not talking about a movie theater. I'm talking about like live theater. Oh, yeah. Could you put on some slacks and a sweater? Like, I don't understand. It makes it more fun and it makes it an event. Like, I I definitely threw on a sport coat for Val Kilmer as Moses. You have to. It's just what what you do. We dressed up to go see Val and and you just have to. You have to. You can't be wearing jeans at the theater. No, or maybe like really nice jeans with a sport coat. Of course. Maybe. I'm just saying that. I'm talking about a dark wash. Yes. (laughs) A dark wash wash is acceptable. A dark wash. A dark wash. But then you got to bring everything else up. Oh, yeah. Nice shoes, nice shirt. If If I'm going to get away with the dark wash. If you brought your bottoms that low, you got to bring your tops and your accessories up. Amen. Amen. And I'm putting product in my hair and all that. Thank you. Thank you. Even though I I do it like two or three times a year and every time I sweat. And then the product gets in my eyes. (laughs) And I'm like red faced and, you know. Here we sit, friends. But we, we, we appreciate it. Please. Thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> I think next time it happens, you go, hey, uh, actually, I don't want to watch that right now. We're in a... Ooh, that's, <laughs> that's like bold. <laughs> I'm doing it in my way, and then you... No, I love it. And I'm it. new to this. I'm new to boundaries, and like I think mm. I used to maybe veer to people-pleasing, and so that's... But it'll, that life will drive you nuts. Yes. And it's... So it'll I'm, I'm new to this, monster. and I need to learn to, mm-hmm. to do this, I think. I think... I mean, I don't know. So like my initial reaction, and this needs to be put through a filter, I think, but my initial reaction is, hey, we're in public right now. There's other people around us. Let's not let's not watch that right now because this might be annoying other people. I know if I was one of them, I'd be annoyed by this. Oh, oh what a wow. nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking saying it that way. I think all you have to say is, I don't know if you say dude. You dude. Do, dude. Show me outside. Yeah, Something say, like that. Say dude, turn it down. Or dude, don't Here, show, you I don't want to watch a video. You be, you, be, you be Eric and I'll be the friend, okay? I'm Eric. You're oh, okay. Eric. Okay, so you try and show me a video. Okay. Okay. Uh, Eric, Eric, look at this awesome video I took of this concert in um uh, in Montana that I went to. Oh, cool, dude. Yeah, I don't want to watch that video. No, no, no. You restaurant. have to see this. This is Kanye West. No, I don't like when people pull out their phones and show videos what do you mean? in restaurants. Yeah, it's just like a thing because it's just loud. No, I mean, just it's like 20 seconds long. Well, then long. put it on silent. It's all about the music, man. What are you well, talking about? show me about? later. Email it to me. I'll watch it tonight. Fuck you. Fuck you. And so it might go a little something. It might get physical. I was like a second away from lunging at you. So it might get... But that's good. You'll get the message. You have to embrace yourself for it getting physical. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm bigger than him. I mean, I can't quite back up my size, but that's a dirty little secret. No, He doesn't know. He doesn't know. It's a crazy thing. I I also, when I see kids at, like when when a big group of people are at a dinner table and their kid is on their iPad and they're playing a game and it's like... And it's like, what are you doing? That kid, one, should be engaging so he's not messed up when he gets older. Secondly, 
the kid doesn't need the volume. It's about the colors. No, and I mean, I've seen them on planes and the loudest games you could ever imagine. And like, it'll be the one flight you forgot your headphones. Ugh. And it's like, you don't want to parent. So we all have to suffer and hear this ear splitting yeah. volume. Now, yeah. let me ask you this. This is kind of like, it's one thing when you're with a friend and you ask them, hey, turn the volume down. I do it all the time. It's another thing when you're in a public space and someone you don't know oh. is doing it. Now, I know people who would say, excuse me, do you mind? Who? I know several people. So first of all, Matt, my husband, if someone's on their phone in a movie theater, if someone's like oh, playing yeah. their phone loudly, like we were at a bookstore the other day and a guy was taking a call on speakerphone. No, no. So Matt didn't directly Why? say anything to him, but um, the woman on the other line who did not know, she was talking about very personal stuff, did not know she was on speakerphone. She was like, hey, can you hear me okay? And Matt goes, yeah, we all can. Oh, no oh i love it so he will say things to people i on the other what hand what did the guy do um the guy he just was like, like they'll look at even. you like you're the crazy yeah one. of course and also um mark mcconville's wife christina and oh, i yeah. is also really good at being assertive like that if someone's like on their phone in a doctor's waiting room like watching a video out loud it's like she'll she'll say politely like excuse me like can you please not watch the video in right. the waiting room right um i i haven't gotten there yet but i'm wondering if one day i'll make it there oh my god can i tell you something about being more assertive that i did the other day yeah. yes this is really funny <laughs> Because you are not that assertive because just a couple months ago, a no. man was leaning on your car while you were inside it and you said nothing. I was inside my car and a man came up and just started leaning on it. And I was like, I was parked and he was like waiting for his Uber and he was and it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. But this is maybe a little crazier. So I went and I parked on the street. There wasn't any more parking. I was going to a coffee shop and this guy was... Um, uh, parked in front of me and he had a bunch of room in front of him he had like a little mini cooper right and he his car was on he was like sitting maybe reading a script or something like i i think that's what he was doing anyway i parked thinking i had enough room but my tire was a little bit in the driveway of the street and i thought to myself oh i really don't want to get a ticket like i get this is okay because i i don't think my tire was in it but like yeah. the back of my car was and i was like if that guy just moved up like a little bit i could go into the coffee shop and have peace of mind do you know what i mean and so I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm going to go up and I'm going to tell him, could you, cause he's in the car, the car was on. Could you just move up a little bit? So I, I knocked on the window and he rolled it down. I said, Hey, could you move up a little bit? He said, yeah, of course. Yeah. So he like pulls up. And so I pull up right behind him. Great. And I walk, start walking to the coffee shop thinking, wow, Marie, you did, you did it. You were assertive. Then he goes to me, calls me back and he go and he rolls down his window again. And, and he said, Hey, I'm actually leaving. Could you make, you make sure I don't hit your car and I went yeah and then he backs up without stopping hitting my car <laughs> what <laughs> and then just drives off wait he what? didn't even because I was going like stop 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 he wasn't looking at me he was just like backed up so he did two wait, things he right. asked you to help and then ignored ignored it you? and bumped my car and then just drove and drove off and I was like what and then uh, it was the craziest thing. So one, he didn't have to move up because he was leaving already. So like he could have just gone, oh, I'm leaving. But what he did was he moved up a little bit, decided then, uh, I'll just leave and then had me help him. Wait, so was he really tight, like blocked in a spot? No, he I was going like, stop. He was like backing up, backing. And I was like, stop. He, he wasn't looking at me. And he did nothing when he hit your car. Nothing. That's just Throw his day. Away. That's just his day. There's no damage. Do I mean, you it, think he knew he hit your car? 
I mean, I, I have to I have to think he's not. He was probably just embarrassed and had to get out of there. But if he says, can you help me not hit your car? First of all, if you're leaving, why are you telling me that it's okay for me to move up, basically? Like, why are you, why are you making your space smaller by saying uh, I can move up behind you? So weird. That's just madness. And, and, and I, I, the one I'm assertive, and then it just bites. It just comes back uh, to bite I'm me. With you, and it's well the same with like people. They get in there in a coveted parking spot, like on Larchmont or, or Ventura or something, and they get in their car, and then they don't move. Oh. So you see, oh my god, this person got in their car. Boom, Larchmont. Mm. And you see and then someone's on, on your phone, see, uh. and then I'll even pull up and try to look, and then they'll like, what? What is this? And like, you want to be? Come on, friend, you're on Larchmont yeah. here. This is. a there's nothing wrong with spot. a little honk. No. Well, I've done it, but then they'll just double down they, on, sometimes on their people phone. Do. Yeah. And Amanda, I'll say, as usual, I'm 100% with Matt Gorley. Yeah. I am an absolute, please turn your phone down in public person. You do? So what you say I do it all something? the time. Oh, yeah. I've done it recently, and a guy got really pissed. What did he do? Well, it was at a uh, plant-based Chinese restaurant, Reseda, <laughs> you know, name drop. And the guy was playing at an ear-splitting level with his girlfriend. And I was sitting there with our friend Chuck Ford, legend, mm-hmm. and I just go, hey, man, you mind turning that down? It's pretty loud. And then he did it, and then he, he was furious. This ruined his meal. And then he's like, I mean, I was only playing for fucking 10 seconds. And then this happens a lot. I'm also huge on concert behavior. Live music's my thing, and I go mm-hmm. to a ton of concerts. Some might say too many. But <laughs> the behavior of these people at concerts is so shocking They'll be watching videos when they're 10 feet from a stage of like no. an acoustic performance or recording, which where they hold it blocks the view of, of a tall person. And you'll, I'll say something like, hey, friend, you might put your phone down? Or people will be talking like, do, do you want to talk in back maybe? Yeah. And, and it's – you have all these little Larry David moments. And there's times where I'm like, I think I'm just going to give up on this because just the behavior of people yeah. is plummeting. So fascinating to me that you don't have a problem with – telling strangers isn't that weird that's and, a real weird thing with your friend because I'm so the opposite I would I'm like more delicate with strangers than I ever am with like friends and family which I don't think necessarily is a good thing I think you're it's actually nice that you have more you know deference for your friends maybe but if like if I'm calling out people in Reseda at Garden Walk but, but <laughs> not able to tell like a really good friend yeah I think I've got to bridge that gap yeah. a little bit because it's in that gap is madness <laughs> I think you wait I think you wait for it to happen again yeah I think so if it does then because this could be a one time thing you know what I mean they could be someone who doesn't do that in public yeah usually. I hope I really hope but you don't if- want to like send a long text that says like hey I've been thinking about this for, <laughs> for a long time now I've talked about it on a podcast yeah. and I just have to I hope he doesn't hear this oh he won't uh, ah. chan- uh, 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 statistically Urios, I think speaking. there's a good chance he may I think there's a good really? chance he may he may he's definitely in the, in the, he's in the circle of cool podcast people mm. oh and I love him to death and if you're hearing this now you know how much I love you and that's why I didn't say anything buddy uh, but let's turn it down next time friend <laughs> And come on the show. You're you a know, it's usually um, older people in waiting rooms yes, that oh. have their ringer on all the way up. That all of a sudden it will just go like, it's like, why? why it, it, it blows my mind. 
always someone over 50. Oh, yeah. They don't understand. They're they're the worst. So it's like people in our generation, <laughs> we're moving away from technology. We like we had it when we were very young. Now we're kind of trying to disconnect. So what it is, is it's really young people who are really rude with phones because they're basically robots who yeah, the phone got is in half, their brain. Half robot brain. And then there's old people who don't know how to use it. Yeah. And so they don't understand that the decorum and the etiquette. So yeah. it's the people like in their late 20s, 30s, 40s were in the safe zone it's yeah. other people in 50s i think 50s, i mean yeah and 50s that's true i think yeah if people knew a world without tech- and with and with they know what's up because then they're like hey i i get life with technology but like sometimes i don't want to have it uh gen z people are like i this is me my yeah. technology is me it is yeah yeah, I've seen people at life-changing concerts, older people in their 60s, like on Facebook, in like the second row, uh, oh, responding. Yeah. And like... Because they can't believe it, that you can do it. No, and like... <laughs> <laughs> but like, music's medicine, and I'm like, it'll make yeah. you feel better. Why are you here if you're on Facebook? But it is that older generation, and it's hysterical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're misusing it, but they, they need to take a course. Like, they do need to... There should be like how you have to um, sometimes at a certain age take another license exam to keep driving. Yeah. Like you should have to pass a class <laughs> to like to have an phone. iPad. Yeah, to have a I'm smart so phone. in. I will back you up on <laughs> yeah. this all day. Yeah. Are I, you kidding? I I think it's true. Although, yeah. So should we transition now into our big, big one? Yay! It's yeah, but first, but first oh, we got to yes. do our oh, app. Good. Especially because Eric's here. Okay, perfect. So this is where, Eric, we tell people that if they don't rate and review and subscribe and join our Patreon, that there will be hell to pay. Oh, yeah. And if you could, in your, because you have testosterone that a man and I very much lack, could you just kind of like tell them that? Yeah. I mean, I've tried more and more to get in touch with my sacred divine feminine. Uh-huh. I'm going to leave that up yeah, the leave door it, right please. now. No, please. this is, uh, hey guys, how you doing? <laughs> I want to tell you something, tell you something really seriously. I have a lot of pent-up anger right now about these phones and a bunch of other stuff, and I don't want you to stir it up in me. But if you guys don't start rating and reviewing the big ones with Amanda Lund and Maria Blasucci, there will be hell to pay, of which there's never been before in this podcast world. Rate, review, subscribe to them on Patreon, and all their other wonderful stuff on the Erios podcast. Do you hear me? Oh my god, I'm shaking. That was great. I'm trying. And, no, I'm no, trying. that was great. And I loved it. <laughs> this is just now. If you do write a review on our on our Apple Podcasts, sometimes we'll read them. To, it's a little incentive. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, this is one um, from Margaritas, five stars. Y'all are seriously such a big old hoot. Oh, I should do. Oh, I love her. Fun. Y'all are seriously such a big old hoot. Your sense of humor and wit is a refreshing take, and is like. And it's kind of like opening a window with warm sunshine, light, and airy feels. Is there any way she's not an awesome person? No. If she writes no. like that, we, we love you, Margarita. Yeah. We love you. Truly. Uh, then there's Wow. Been a listener. Or this is FPM1005. So a bot. <laughs> Been a listener since day one. I wish I could give the podcast 10 stars. Truly the best podcast out there. I live for the energy Marie and Amanda give off. Chef's kiss. They always have the best guests and truly brain busting moral dilemma- dilemmas. A podcast definitely worth listening to. Well, I mean, these you guys are awesome. 
You guys are awesome. There was one, I don't know where I read it, but it was saying how it was like they were sitting on a front porch with us. And Amanda and I have front porch energy. Oh, yeah. Don't we? Yeah. I mean, right now, I can't tell you how fun this is. Oh. Well, it always is with y'all. What kind of true. energy does Eric have in the house? We, we, yeah, we look at people's energy room. from their... Ah. I feel like I've come in low energy and curmudgeonly, which I don't no, usually do no, on podcasts. No, podcast. not low energy at all. Well, I don't usually come in with a beef. Normally, I try to be light and love. But yeah. this one, I legitimately wanted to ask because it, it's stuck in my head. That's I, fair. I feel my energy's decent. No, you it's um, decent. you came in with the correct energy for this podcast because it is there is an element of rage. Yes, we're definitely yeah. rage fueled. Yes, I feel like Eric might be back deck energy. Okay, so oh my god. Yes. Oh, yes. Completely. Because here's yeah. the thing, here's what front porch energy is. We're sitting on the porch, someone's coming up to the house and we're going, "Hey." And and they're going, "What's going on?" And we're like, "No, you can go in if you want, but if you don't want to go in, like that's totally cool too." We're, it's a little more passive, <laughs> yeah. but we're not It's exactly- 100% <laughs> passive. And if they sit, sit and talk like whatever that's cool but we're gonna do what we're doing no matter what like eric you're in the backyard so it's still casual and um it's still casual energy but you're a little more engaged you're pumped to see the person that's walking yeah you're at the grill yeah oh yeah and you're going like it's great you're here you know what i mean yeah so you're and you're just like vibing with everyone people are coming are coming up to you you know and meanwhile Amanda and I are still in the front we're porch saying, come on in come on in if you want to come in come on in and also you could take us we're having spritzers yeah and if you want to take a break from the party out back come sit with us for 15 minutes but then get lost <laughs> yeah it's for and turn your phone off yeah before you come in because yeah. this yeah. front porch has boundaries but uh listeners if you have an energy that you'd like to share with us it's any room in the house yeah yeah <laughs> So we're going to take a quick break. Maybe there'll be an ad. Maybe there won't, depending on uh, what our numbers are. And uh, <laughs> and if there isn't an ad, I'm again, I'll be humiliated. Yeah, if there isn't an ad, then you know what you need to do? You need to tell more people about this podcast. Come on, guys. And rate and review. It's not that hard. All I right. don't want right. to come Eric, to your Eric, home. Eric, Sorry. calm down. Sorry, I get emotional. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. All right, we're back. Yay. All right, are you ready for the big, big one? Yeah, I'm so excited. Okay, so perk up your ears. You're going to want to take this in. And I just have to preface it by saying Maria did write this one up, so it's a little long and very specific, but okay. it's you're going to like it. Kelly and Brittany are two sexy 17-year-old girls who have just been admitted to the Ivy League University Grenigan. Both girls have the same GPA and similar extracurriculars. Both come from very different yet very wealthy families. Kelly has celebrity parents. Her mom is a former Sports Illustrated model and her dad is the star of a long-running NBC sitcom called Phil Goes Underground about a schlubby guy who moves into his parents' basement after he dies and becomes a ghost. The show is okay, but they've been phoning it in for the last couple seasons. But that's neither here nor there. 
Brittany, on the other hand, is really wealthy too, but that's because her family struck it rich in oil in the early 20th century. Brittany's family has been going to Grenigan since 1925 and gives yearly donations that are extremely generous. No one in Kelly's family has gone to college. New money problems. Before orientation, Kelly's mom is charged with paying a scammer to up Kelly's SAT scores and bribe an admissions guy with tons of that NBC Sports Illustrated scratch. Is there a difference between Kelly's way in and Britney's way in to Grenigan's? Wow. Yeah. That's a great one, friend. Thank you. Well, it gets immediately two or three like hot button things there. Mm-hmm. I dig it. And like, obviously, this has come out of the recent college admission scandal. Yes. That's right, Amanda. Yes. Yeah. With Lori Loughlin and... Felicity Huffman. Yes. Felicity Huffman. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have you guys been following this closely? Oh, yeah. It's Are you kidding? fascinating. Yeah. I mean, not as closely as it was at the beginning, but I mean, yeah, it is. It's, it's weird. She's doing 14 days. Damn. How's yeah. she going to get through it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be tough. I wonder. Yeah, I mean. Oh, you know she's gonna love it. You know she's gonna be like, like writing things down and write a screenplay. Oh, uh, she's it. already writing her book. I mean, yeah. I'm sure she's gonna get some sort of daytime talk show. After Do you this. think? Because like she showed up on a Netflix promo, and I was like, it was oh, like yeah. the front page of Netflix. I'm like, ah, no, are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, look at Martha Stewart. She went away for quite some time. You know. Yeah. But what was her crime? Insider trading. See, I feel like that's one of those. I judge what Felicity Huffman, in theory, did more because I there's a victim involved. Because there's a victim of some kid that didn't get into that school and her own kid that had to find oh out. Gosh. That could you imagine if you found out your parents didn't believe in you so much? I and I get that's not like where it came from. It came from them just like wanting to make sure. But like, ah, uh, the what that would do to yourself worse oh horrible it's super embarrassing so basically when you boil down this dilemma we're saying because there's a lot of corruption in the college admissions process regardless um having to do with legacy students who Mm -hmm. do get a leg in because of their family (laughs) legacy and of donations that the family makes is that different from paying some guy to cheat on your SATs. To me, off the bat, I'll just say, yes, I do see a difference. Unfortunately, I do. But we're really getting into what's wrong with the system. And look, there's a problem with the system at the beginning. We got to fight through it. We're going to do it. This admission thing is crazy. Is that Bernie? Bernie? It's a Bernie. Bernie? Are you you a Bernie bro? Uh, I'm I'm definitely into Bernie Bernie. and Liz and the Tulsi more left-wing progressive side side of life. But I met Bernie at Canners when he was polling at 1% in 2016. So so he he came out in Canners outside the kibitz and was like, look, we're polling low now, but I see a path here. We're going to talk to seniors. We're going to talk to college students. And it was like everything he did kind of happened. But then I also saw Elizabeth Warren a couple months ago. I think she may have smelled weed on me. Uh, and she was also very impressive, so I'm of that side. But I'm with them that there's a giant structural problem right now in America, that we're talking about all the massive homeless people that are camped out in Hollywood, and then people with with billions that they can't ever spend that their great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren can't spend. Yeah, yes. But you're getting into a weird legality of changing and cheating test scores. Like, everything they did is legal. Let me tell you guys, though. Let me tell you guys something. This is some facts about this is from an Atlantic article that I came across. 
Applying to colleges as a legacy is like having a superpower. It has been estimated a double or qu- to double or quadruple one's chances of getting into a highly selective school and has been found to be roughly equivalent to a 160 point boost on the SAT. Wow. At the most selective institutions in the United States, it's typical for 10 to 15% of students to have a parent who also attended. The most, uh, if y'all just, um, a Harvard, uh, Harvard, at Harvard, a committee formed in 2017 tasked with assessing potential tweaks to the admissions process concluded that scrapping the school's legacy preference might jeopardize the, quote, generous financial support that, quote, is essential to Harvard's position as leading institution of higher learning. Wow. I mean, I, I mean, okay, so this is my experience with legacy. My dad went to USC. A lot of people in his family went to USC. I really wanted to go to USC when I was applying to college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a, there was some connection between my dad and I needed, you know, you have to get references. So we asked this guy, this old guy, I forget what he had to do with USC, but he was on some board there Mm -hmm. and he was a family friend. So I asked him for a letter of recommendation. Um, And I had met him once at like a party or something at my grandpa's house. And the letter of recommendation that he wrote... (laughs) He didn't know me, okay? (laughs) So it was literally half of it was just what I looked like. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) It was like Amanda's really blonde and smiling. And she's like... No. And I did not get into USC. <laughs> right. Are you kidding? But trust me, my parents, they if they had had like money to give, they probably... I mean, I don't know if that's true, actually. I don't know how far they would have gone because I, I was pretty autonomous in my search for a college. And I ended up going to LMU and it was a great education. And you met me. I met Maria and I don't actually think I would have liked USC. Mm-hmm. So um, I just think it's all dirty and it's all gross. Yeah. I agree. My question is, is, okay, there's old, old money in this world. And this is me just speaking. This is not me taking a side. There's old, old money in this world especially in America where like there's money from like the start of America forming basically that will never be taken away from people. And then there's people that come from nothing and recently make more money, have new money that have the same entitlement as the old money people do in a way, but they, 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 they're not on an even playing field. So at what point do you go like, huh, they're just, they're just messing with the system in order to do what they're not able to do just because of the system that's in place. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but you're comparing a rotten apple to a rotten orange. It's like, I don't know what you mean. Well, I mean, they're like both. <laughs> it's like they're both bad, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but they're both fruit. But one is like at least one has... I don't know. It's like there's something to me about legacy. It's like the same thing with um, nepotism Mm -hmm. um, in Hollywood. You know, I mean, part of me kind of understands it because on. Can I ask this really quickly? So what if there is a producer who has a kid who wants to be a producer and then there's someone that has no one in the family but lies on their resume and says, I've had this, 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 this experience and then they get hired. Um, Would you. Is that the same I mean, isn't that doing what the nepotism thing is? Isn't that just doing what you need to do to get ahead? Yeah. And then there's 
sure, they're both bad. And then there's a third kid who actually has the experience and comes uh, from a family with poverty, but doesn't have the connections and they don't ever get a chance. So to me, it's like they are both gross, but there's something so, so devious about um, cheating, paying someone to cheat like like that because if you I, I if you are a legacy and your kid is a terrible student and is getting like not good grades and a very low SAT score I still think that there's uh, they might not get into the school like if they're a really bad student do you think they would still get in I don't know if really bad but it seemed you know I would think Middle that Brittany and Kelly have like 3.6s do you know what I mean yeah that's like kind of where I was I don't know there's something so gross to me about literally paying someone to cheat although I also think there's a lot of flaws in standardized tests so I Mm -hmm. could see how you can morally justify it to yourself of like this isn't even fair that they have to take these tests yeah and is it a true indicator of merit yeah true indicator of who you are yeah it's so interesting because one of them is what's wrong structurally with our with our society and you can almost understand, especially with new money people, because you do see it how people mix out here, you know, they, they could justify it to themselves that way. And you see how yeah. Felicity Huffman could justify it to herself. She yeah. She had 14 years to think about in the joint. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. There. I don't know. I come. I, I, I hate authority, right? I hate it. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> but. My way of thinking really is it's like if there are things in place to keep certain people down and certain people up, then part of me goes, well, then sometimes you got to slide by in some way to figure out a way to get past that because the powers that be will always try to get you down. But you're saying you're comparing people, the people they're trying to keep down are filthy rich assholes. But so, are uh, but are they, or do they just have the means to make sure that their kid has the same? I mean, it's all about, I get it, they're both rich, but it's like, it's, I don't know. It's, I, I well, don't I'll know. I'll tell you what I see a difference between. I see a difference between Felicity Huffman paying however many thousands of dollars she did for her daughter to get into USC and a low income person who lives in a poverty stricken neighborhood who rents an apartment in a better school district mm-hmm. to get her daughter or son into a better school district. That that person is being charged with mail fraud and being sent away for right. a long time. Like that woman. Yeah. F- like four years or something. Right? Yeah. Because she, she moved. This ties in with all of it. She moved to another district or faked it so her daughter could succeed right. in a better school. And they charged her with, like... Oh, and she got convicted and she's crazy. going to jail. And not for 14 days and not to a federal place. Yeah, I don't remember what exactly the details were of how long. I, I don't know if that they're appealing it or what. But that, to me, there is a real difference there. Oh, but when sure. you're already coming from privilege, you know you're... It's just, like, so disgusting to me that you feel like you're owed even more than what you already have. Like, cause that girl, Felicity Huffman's daughter could have gotten into like yeah. LMU or some other school. Yeah. Um, but just feeling like, Oh, that's not enough. Like you can already afford to send your kid to college debt free. And yet sure. you're going the extra step to be like, it's just so greedy, greedy, greedy. And but- is it for the kid or is it? So the parent would consider their parents, Oh, Karen got into USC. Right. I feel like that's what so much of it is, is it's keeping up appearances and the parents yeah. don't want to say, oh, yeah, they're going to Pacific. They're going to love yeah. it. You know, yeah, or he's City not that College. into school. We're glad he's even going to go. And Stockton's it's so nice. old school to even like go to, like if I had a kid these days, I'd be like, you don't need to go to college. Like, Star, Aren't you glad you have your college degree? 
Uh, I mean, I'm glad I went to college because of the people I met, mm. the experiences I had. Did you go to college? Yeah, I went to Gonzaga. Oh, I, Gonzaga. I went to, I went to community college uh-huh. for two years, Mount Hood Community College, name drop. And then and then I went to, to Gonzaga. And, My uncle and I Steve is it. obsessed with Gonzaga. Really? We ba- the um, basketball team. Yeah, we're uh, yeah. LMU's rival. Yes. Yeah, y'all were great in the early 90s, and uh, we've kind of, we've turned into Hank this Gathers. juggernaut. Hank Gathers, Hank's house, and that was... Uh, Gonzaga was waiting to play, and our trainer was there when it happened, and oh, like helped no. with the yeah. And so for me, it's like there were schools I didn't get into, and I'm so glad I didn't because I had to, I wouldn't be sitting here now and doing this mm-hmm. this acting if I hadn't ended up in this weird synchronicity of events at Gonzaga. I went there to be the sports announcer. For Where the is it? Team. It's in Spokane. It's a tiny little Catholic oh. school in Spokane. It's in the same division as LMU. So every year I go to LMU. And when Gonzaga plays. And I love it there. Yeah. I'm like, it's a great spot. It's close to the beach. And the kids are down to earth. I know a lot of legends that went to LMU. Really? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of them are like sons and daughters of Hollywood that are a little more down to earth and just cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I want to go here and I don't I don't want the rat race of USC. I barely remember college. Like I not because I was partying, (laughs) but because I I graduated in three years, spread out over four years. But I so I was just Mm -hmm. like taking so many classes and doing summer school and then also going home to Long Beach every weekend to work. So um but anyway, but I I do think I'm happy for the college experience. I, I do I like it. I mean I think it's really also rad to go to if you want that experience but you don't want to get yourself into debt go to city college for two years and then transfer but hopefully we'll get someone in the presidency that's going to kind of overhaul education oh please um because that would be amazing and that would solve a lot of these issues but i don't know i do think what you guys are saying though about these like felicity huffman types the new money that they're (laughs) in this world where they're all kind of comparing notes with other people and so no one is checking themselves like and they're also when you're that rich you're already kind of trusting your your accountant and your business manager everyone's kind of finding these loopholes and you're like well everyone's doing it um but then it's like you cross a line and at what point like can you hold it against them that they didn't know when they had crossed the line can i ask this question now what if kelly who came from new money actually her she she didn't come from money but her her dad had been saving up since she was a baby to be able to, to bribe. cheat on her <laughs> yeah <laughs> He had a long game. Yeah, he had a long game. He heard about it when he 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 was 15 when this is happening right now. So he's going, okay, when I have my daughter, I'm going to have this stockpiled like over here in case she's not, you know, A plus. Is it okay for him to do it then? I don't think so. Now, however, what I am okay with is if Kelly comes up with this plan, somehow it's different to me if the kid is oh, smart enough to figure out how to so? cheat. Then first, just I don't think it's right, but I'm just kind of like, Okay, then yeah. you deserve to go. Yeah, I'm I'm more sympathetic with that because then you're taking out the entitlement and the keeping up yeah. appearances, and it's an underdog doing some bullshit to get ahead, which I can relate to. Would yeah. you, if you're an admissions officer and you find out Kelly did that, would you just say, okay, fine, keep come in, or would you not let her in? I would need her. I would kind of take her under my wing. No, girl, be- that's illegal. <laughs> 
<laughs> I would say I see something in you. No, no. I'd blackmail her so she could come, but I would say I'd always keep one eye on her. No girl, she'd have to wash my car and stuff. <laughs> oh god, uh, amazing, amazing. What would you do, Eric? Ah, uh, I think unfortunately, if if she gets caught, then she's got to go. As sad as that is, and she's just not meant to be there. That's she's the thing. dumb enough to get caught. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, if you get it's caught. all like if you get caught, it's over because then the admissions person can get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. But also, I'm kind of a softy when it comes down to it. But in theory, yeah. sitting here, I would say she'd have to go. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, honestly, I think there is something really dirty about making a big donation of your legacy and getting your kid in that way too. Like it's all dirty and greedy, and I don't, I don't like it. Now. However, part of me does understand, like, well, if your whole family went to USC, like, and they it's part of your family. I mean, I I get it in kind of a sentimental way, but when it comes down to you're getting in because they're giving $100,000 a year, then that's gross. Well, you know what they should do? They should just do purely anonymous donations. Like, all alumni donations should be, I mean, that would be a way to save, like, because, of course, like, Colleges should, you know, they like a certain kind of people to be, they like a certain kind of student and stuff like that. They like a certain kind of community. So if a family's gone there for years and years and they're going, oh, yeah, we love this family. If this kid's a good enough student, then, you know, we want to nurture that because we've nurtured the family. So if donations are taken out of legacy, I'm all like, well, I get that that's a leg up because that's a community kind of thing. Yeah, and also you know the people, so mm-hmm. it's just kind of natural that the admissions counselor would recognize the last name and maybe give a little double little look check at the mark, a little check mark. Yeah, I actually that doesn't bother me as much, but when it comes to the money, I yeah. think you're right. It should all be anonymous. That's how that it, that's how you do it. Because that would truly equal equal the playing field. It would, but then no one would donate because everyone wants their name on a wall. well that's like university of oregon phil knight has given them so much money so when we get a recruit at gonzaga it's really hard to compete with i mean the facilities at the university of oregon are ridiculous because he's given a billion or something right so it's almost like if you had a salary cap on donations where the donations are straight across but gonzaga was in debt at the time I went there. They were a million and a half dollars in mm. debt, a tiny little school only known for Bing Crosby. And then our basketball team blew up, blew up when I was there. And now wow. they have this giant surplus of money and the you know, they have incredible new facilities and they've done it all without losing their soul. Mm. But the money has changed everything. Really? And it, as as it does in everything in society. Well, then also, what are we thinking about, like, athletic recruits, too? I mean, that always seems weird to me, yeah. too, that you can, like be a good rower what does that even mean and then you're suddenly in well they sit in a boat (laughs) yeah but i'm just like aren't colleges for academia like why is is athletics such a big part of it but it's what you said because if they have some sort of amazing athletic team they're going to get money so much money but it's like what really is that really a part of it i don't know what's crazy too is you know like and my boyfriend craig always points this out for like college football and stuff like this like those guys aren't getting paid and they're being like trotted out like NFL players basically. And if one of them gets hurt in, you know, college and they can't go pro or whatever, then it's over. So basically they're like putting it all on the line for no money, no security. And that kind of weirds me out. Yeah. And I've had this discussion with Craig uh-huh. and the other really jarring thing, not to get too depressing about it is more and more for football people die earlier Mm -hmm. um 
The injuries are horrible. Yeah. I have one friend that made the NFL, and he has ALS. Oh. He, he is a magical human named Steve Gleason. But more and more, affluent families are not allowing their kids to play football. Right. So you are starting to have low-income families that are having their kids play football, risk head trauma. You die earlier. Yeah. The life of an NFL player, you die, like I believe, 20 years younger. So oh now you have this dream of college – and you have kids coming in that are risking horrible trauma to their brain and their body to try to get this free education. Meanwhile, their star teammates are going to be there two or three years or one year in college basketball, and they're not even going to go to class. Right. They're there to just play, be a star, and bring tons of money to the university. I'm sure, I'm sure USC, I'm sure they all go to class. But there's a lot of kids there that are not there focused on school. They're yeah. basketball stars. They're football stars. They're there for one year. O.J. Mayo was there for one year and left. Made and a ton goes, of money for the university. And then he goes pro. Yeah, and then he goes pro. He doesn't care about that education. Mm. And then you have other kids who are only there because of trying to make it and get a free education. Yeah, there's something that doesn't seem right to me about recruiting athletes despite their other, like, their GPAs. Like, it's, yeah. I, that seems weird to me, too. It should hinge a lot on people's interviews. I think that that's a huge part of admissions that I think isn't taken as seriously as like grades and extracurriculars and test scores. And it's like all these weirdos get into college while like people that are really creative and stuff like that don't. And then it's like the weirdo becomes the Unabomber. <laughs> Where did the Unabomber Harvard. Go? He was a he professor. Did. Yeah, yeah, Ted Kaczynski. Oh, you read that manifesto, it's real interesting. Yeah. It's real interesting. But it's like they just, it's all about numbers. It's all about numbers and facts of like, this person's so good at this or this. It's like, dude, like, that's not what life's about. It's about what's going on inside. There you go, girl. Well, and if we all, I'm grateful for my college experience, but it has very little to do with the classroom. And I was, uh-huh. a, you know, sports casting major. But it's that's kind amazing. of those. That's so, how many people were in that major program? Not many, and that's why I went there. I, I sent in my tapes from uh, Sportscaster Camps of America, where What's the that? Uh, well, it's where the chubby children of America go to learn broadcasting, <laughs> and the tapes exist of me like fourteen and fifteen. It was chubby children and former professional athletes looking to get tape, and I sent in my tapes. And at the time, Gonzaga. They have a crazy admissions now. It's like a 3-8-1400s. I was rolling in from Mount Hood Community College with tapes of me as a chubby 14-year-old uh-huh. inter- interviewing Burt Blylevin. But you have to we, – we learn the most from college from our social interactions. Uh-huh. Got to allow in more weirdos. Yes. You got to have a diverse population because that's how you learn and that's how you grow. And if you're just, like you said, focusing on the numbers, if the real education comes from social experience, which I think mm-hmm. we would all acknowledge – well, then you're being cheated if you're only getting the 1,400 SATs and activities. Totally. You're only getting one kind of person. Get the get. I love that David Letterman had a Ball State scholarship, and the best grades you could have were C minus. He's like, this scholarship is going to C minus kids because that's what I was, and that's I was a so weirdo, great. and then I flourished in this broadcasting program. And I'm Amazing. like, I would love to one day be able to do that. But that it's got to awesome. be C minus. He's got to have a body fat percentage of above 12. Like, <laughs> just like. Find some right. legend and then get more of those weirdos in school because that's that's the spice of life. I love that. That's I really yeah. true. <laughs> we should start our own college. Let's do it right here, right now. Yeah, right in here online. Oh my god! It'll be a scam. Yes, I'm in. I'll be the Frank guy. Hi. 
Are you plucky? Do you need a place to go? Welcome. For fifteen hundred dollars yeah. a semester. Not bad. Erios. That, that isn't bad. Fifteen hundred dollars. No, that's oh, fair. I always feel bad for and I'm super grateful I didn't go and I'm curious with you guys because y'all are amazing actors. Oh. I'm so glad I did not go to acting school. Yeah. Because I was so and still am probably too sensitive. And I look at my friends that went through this highly competitive thing of like getting cut at 18 or 19 years old. Mm -hmm. There's no way I could do that back then. I would have my heart broken or I would have. And I look at them like, I'm glad I didn't understand how hard this business is. I was like 23, 24 at least. Because Mm -hmm. at 18 or 19 and getting cut and putting all that pressure on yourself, I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I I did not do that. Yeah, yeah, I am too. I am too because I really liked my my general education too, like getting yeah. like the philosophy class and having kind of a wider scope. Yeah, but I do think an acting major <clears throat> in a liberal arts college is maybe not the best. I would if my kid came to me and was like, "I'm going to college. Where I want to be a theater major." I'd be like, "Okay, could we just like you can go, you can be an actor 100, percent and you and I'll, I will pay for acting classes for you." But can you also just, because you're going to college, just get, let's get you a business degree so you'll know how to run your business yeah, as an actor. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But then again, my parents said that to me and I was like, no. Although they were always supportive of theater. Yeah. I, I just, it's, uh, I don't know. College is weird and it's changed so much. It is not what it used to be. Well, guys, I think it's time for final thoughts on this oh, dilemma. This is so fun. Are, are they both equally despicable? I think no. I think that that but I also think that has to do with the system that's been created. And so the law of that like one is worse than the other and kind of like all of that comes from the system being what it is. I see the problem. So you're going to let both kids stay in school? Or? Um uh no, I'm going to kick them both out. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't gone. want them. I don't want them. No. Brittany I mean, and I, Kelly? I have empathy for Kelly's dad. It sounds, you know, he's a chubby guy moving in the basement. Those are the parts I auditioned for. No, it's a long running. He's very wealthy. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, you just can't do it. You, you can't. And it's trying to keep up with the Joneses. And Yeah. But he's also raging against a completely flawed system. So yeah. I think in the Erios University world, we're going to end that system. And it's we're going to allow in weirdos. And probably neither of these kids are going to get in. Or if they get in, it's on their own merits. Then you do have to think, like, but we would accept donations. God, yeah. Well, well uh, we're absolutely. obviously going to need some uh, stuff built. Yes, and then if somebody donates enough, that we can let their kid in. Yeah. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Amanda, what do you think? Oh, they're both out. Get out of here. I don't want these bitches. <laughs> <laughs> these spoiled bitches. <sighs> Poor Kelly and Brittany. Do we have a dear big one? Yeah, we yet? do. Okay, this is when we read someone has written in their question and then we answer it um really quickly amanda will you go on the Acast thing so that we can name a so we get a map of who listens where so we've we've been naming places and going if you're this person that listens in this country in this city shout out and amanda we've actually gotten some um someone from osaka japan amazing hello from one of your international listeners in japan i love the podcast and have been a patreon supporter since may 2018 so Luke is his name. He lives in Osaka. He has a small architectural practice, and the podcast keeps him entertained during long hours. And he says, um, uh, and then he gives his his website. So maybe we can we can post that. Anyway, then I actually I saw this email and I um, 
I looked at his Instagram and uh-huh. he does designs beautiful like Japanese style apartments, but for that are equipped with Western amenities. Oh, so they seem to be for expats. They're really pretty. Wow. Oh, good job, Luke. Another one from Japan. Let's hear it, Scott. I was compelled to respond to you. I am American living in Tokyo. I'm a patron of Patreon, and uh, he recommends the podcast relentlessly. If we're ever in Japan, he'll tell us uh, where the restaurants are off the beaten path. Amazing. Amazing. You want that. You want and he, that. he's in Tokyo? He's in Tokyo. And well, Craig's always saying he wants to go to Japan. Yeah, you guys we, have to we go. Gotta go. Yeah. It's Amanda lived in Tokyo. <gasps> yeah. No way. For seven months. What? What were you doing? I worked there? at Tokyo Disney. No, you're so It was cool, amazing. Friend. Really? Oh my <laughs> I loved gosh. It. But I, I want this guy's restaurant guide. Do we have do you have a couple cities? You know, I gotta say they won't load today. Wow. Yeah, so we'll have to do it next time. Dear big ones. I have a question about a problem my wife has been dealing with. It's not necessarily ongoing, but it seems like a universal one, and I would love your perspectives. My wife, let's call her Jane, has had two close friends since she was in second grade and managed to remain close with them over the years despite different high schools, different colleges, etc. They all moved back to the same city post-college graduation, where they've been able to reconnect and grow their friendship into adulthood. One of Jane's friends, let's call her Candace, is the type of person who completely throws herself into things, is very compassionate, empathetic toward others, and an all-around lovely person. However, because she throws herself into things so fully, she tends to adopt interests and views of whomever she spends her time with, often without realizing it. She had a couple of boyfriends over the years that as soon as she was out of the relationship, she recognized as not being good for her and she knew she wasn't herself when she was around them thinking her thanking her friends for sticking with her through the rough patch then she started she then started dating an acquaintance of ours that frankly isn't someone my wife and I would be friends with on our own we'll call him frank now i'm um, not that he's a bad person but his generally sarcastic negative attitude isn't the type that we choose to hang around our close friend group wasn't really a fan of frank either his negativity and personality started to rub off on candace who started to seem like a smaller person when they were together less like herself Frank likes to make jokes at the expense of his significant other. After a few months, Candace and Frank broke up and Candace repeated her cycle of, wow, I can't believe the person I was becoming. Thanks, guys. Frank can go screw. (laughs) Our friend group then felt comfortable telling Candace that we never really liked Frank and she thanked us for being honest. But a few months later, Candace and Frank got back together and the habit of adopting Frank's personality started back up again. We gave it a few months to see if it was going to last, but it was clear Frank was going to stick around. Um, Jane and her other childhood friend, after much discussion, decided it would be best to be honest with Candace and let her know that being with Frank didn't seem to be fostering the best version of herself. Jane was ultimately leading the discussion with the other friend there to chime in, too. After the conversation, Frank refused to attend any events Jane or I were going to be at and stopped inviting us to anything he hosted. Candace slowly started pulling away from our friend group, then ceased communication. Jane met with Candace another time or two to discuss their friendship in the wake of this, but Candace seemed to have a more of an emotional memory of past conversations than a factual one, often claiming Jane said things she didn't and believing Jane absolutely hates Frank, which is not the case. Candace continues hanging out with others in our friend group, even though our friends share the same view as Jane. Our friends praise Jane's honesty and Candace and think 
with Candace and think she did the right thing, but they're unwilling to voice it themselves because they see how Candace has cut Jane out. Their relationships with Candace are intact, but strained and superficial. Um, Jane remains sad that she seems to have lost a 20 plus year friendship by trying to do what she thought was right. Though at this point, Candace is a totally different person than she was even a few years ago. So here's my big one. What do you do when your best friend is with someone who you genuinely believe is a bad influence on them? Do you think it's worth losing the friendship in order to be honest with a friend you love? If you don't say anything, is it still a meaningful friendship if you can't be honest or talk about a large aspect of the other person's life? Love you too. Love your minds love the show love your work and amanda i love your husband and you have the most beautiful hope go shrimps oh thank you that was well oh, written God. wow that was a, a ride yeah what can you do guys i i just think jane did the right thing and what can i think she did the right thing it's it's tough and when when somebody's dating somebody that's not cool and then also when they break up now i've done enough times where yeah. you know it's 50 50 they're gonna get back together yeah so if you start ripping them, let alone having a quasi-intervention, you can't be bummed about this being the result because it's yeah. going to happen. People are blinded by love. They're blinded by bad men. And, you know, it sounds like you you don't want to hang out with Frank anyway, right? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it really is. Jane's the only one that really looked out for her friend like that's and the ones that are still in candace's life that it's like they're all judging her basically from the sidelines it's like well and but they're too scared to say anything it's like okay well then let them all have their lives but but together in their fake little universe but i think 100 percent, if you see someone has changed dramatically in a relationship and you've known them since they were a child that 100 percent, you should say something for no other reason than for the betterment of your friend and take that, you know, and take whatever happens as collateral, I guess. I think Jane did the right thing by speaking her mind. It's unfortunate that Candace wasn't mature enough to like handle the situation once she got back together with Frank. Mm -hmm. Now, I think you have two options. Option one is to let go of this friendship for the time being. If you don't want to deal with it and if you're not capable of kind of keeping things shallow and and minding your own business, because at this point, you've said your piece. Now, it's if you're going to continue your friendship with Candace, you can't say it anymore. Yeah, you have if you're going to accept that you have to just accept it. So your choice is to either just let that go. And then when they break up, She's probably going to come back into your life. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to keep being friends with Candace, you have to communicate. I know we've had a hard time. I've said my piece. I don't hate Frank. I was just worried about you. Can we please move forward? Like I can totally be cordial and respect your relationship because I respect you. So those are your options. But you have to make sure she respects her. Because otherwise, that's just going to be negativity all around. Right. And you just right. But it sounds like you don't even want to be friends with these people. Yeah, when negative they're like people this. are like the flu. They'll, yeah. they'll, they'll bring you down, but it's really hard. And yeah. so, because you're now relying on somebody else's choice of partner and you're having to spend time with them. And it's the worst. And there's people yeah. I'll admit I don't want to hang out with because I don't love... I don't love their boyfriend. Yeah. That, that guy, I can, can read him like a pop-up, pop-up book. He's a jackass. Yeah. yeah. Like, and how much time do I have to subject myself to with this negative person? Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, maybe you try and just spend some time with Candace one on one and just without I mean, because that's not that hard to do if you just kind of don't do coupley thing with them and you just invite her. to. Yeah, but do you want to be I mean, someone who 
uh, she Candace has shown her, her character. And at the end of the day, it's like, what are you going on? What what are you doing? You're going to end up in this scenario again, even if you do just hang out with her alone. Like, you, you can't. I think you're right. I think you got to just, like, be where you're at and not worry about it. Do you guys think that you should tell your friends if you don't like who they're dating? Uh, it's a really tricky thing. I think if they ask, I will. Unsolicited is hard. I feel like they know if they keep suggesting a double date and if like the 10th time you're like, ah, then it's like, no, like there's this one couple mm. we know and the, the guy is a ridiculous name dropper. I'm like, either he's oh, a horrible. name dropper or he only hangs out with famous people. And either way, that's a red flag. <laughs> and like, yeah. seriously. So I'll just be start t- name dropping like my mechanic uh. or like my bartender <laughs> friends or like parties I didn't get allowed into. And it, it, it it's fun for me. But yeah. I get it. I'm like, I just don't have the time. I, I don't have the time to deal with this, and I don't want to. And like, if it's a best friend, that's really hard. Luckily, it's not a. It's not yeah. like a best friend. But I don't know. I, I think, I think, unfortunately, you kind of have to say it, even if it hurts the friendship. Like, because people will bring you down, but they'll temporarily push away and retreat to the partner that's bad. But eventually, it'll burrow in their head, and eventually, yeah. they'll do something bad. I think. But yeah, what do you think, Amanda? Um, I think you don't say I think you've already I think it's okay if they ask. I don't think you bring that up unless it's a dangerous situation or you think it's really bad for the person. I don't really think it's your place to but if you see someone changing like a good friend in front of you. If it, it sounds like if the conversation was on the table previously where this is something this woman talks to you about, hey, I have this pattern in relationships. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Out of the blue, if no one's asking you for your opinion, then no. Mm-hmm. But since it's your best friend and this has been a topic of conversation, yeah, I think absolutely the right thing to do is to bring it up. Do I, it's not right to hold on to it and keep bringing it up, though. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I what think, do you do if they ask? Because you say, what do you think about Frank? I think he's getting better. He's thinking about therapy. Okay, you do. You do. Let's see. Oh, it. Let's yeah. See let's it. do it. Please. What do you think about Frank? I know he had that thing before, but he's doing so much better. I just feel like he's changing. That's I'm happy that you seem happy, but I have to say I'm seeing you fall back into the same pattern. Oh, but it's not because of Frank. I have so much else going on and he's just he's been nicer lately. I haven't personally seen a change in Frank's personality. Oh, really? No. Well, you're not there. And like the other night at Chinese food, like I'd ordered more appetizers, but we still split that bill right down the middle. Listen, I'm I support you. You're my best friend of 20 plus years. I am probably never going to vibe with Frank. And that's just the way it is. Um and so, but I, that doesn't mean we can't coexist and I still really want to spend time with you. Well, Frank was talking about going to Tuscany. The four of us? No. Would you want no? I can't. He I He said it's beautiful there. He has a timeshare. And he can get you guys a discount for Wait, this Frank time. Wait, Frank has a timeshare? Well, his 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 stepmom has a timeshare and they have to use it so he can get us a deal. And it's like technically maybe cheaper than a hotel would be in Tuscany. How many bedrooms? Um, it's like <laughs> technically a one bedroom and a den. Okay, but you guys no, will love no, the den. No, it has Frank's an accordion door. Okay. No. Okay. Wow. <laughs> how how the, the tables turn once that timeshare was mentioned. <laughs> 
There is a high emotional intelligence with you two. It is. It really? Is, yes, there is. It is strong medicine. It's a strong. Yeah, the the force is strong. Yeah, truly, <laughs> truly. Now, if only you had those street smarts. Mm. Oh, y'all got them. Y'all no, got them. No. Come on. I don't. Really? R- really? Maria? Really? I I, I don't what do think you mean so. Street I'm... smarts, like you can't light, like make a fire out of branches. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be forest smarts. <laughs> No, I just, my eyes aren't always open. You know what I mean? Sure. I kind of walk around in a cloud. Yeah, I veer into the street sometimes, but. (laughs) You're in two worlds at one time. Yeah, that's exactly right. For real. Yeah, I am. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. Yay. (laughs) So, Eric, you've got an awesome thing coming out. Oh, yeah. Well, you can check me out in this week's Room 104 and then the movie's Family and Three Days with Dad streaming. Three Days with Dad is right. It's about death. It's about Brian Dennehy plays my dad and he's dying. But I can't believe because I was the biggest Tommy Boy fan ever. And this movie was made for like literally $60,000. They shot at a studio usually reserved for porn in the valley. Wow. And it's, it's, uh, it's an intense one. But what I really am here... And so excited to tell you guys about. So this comes out on Tuesday. Okay, yes. On Friday the 29th, please come to the Dynasty Typewriter Theater. Or sorry, Sunday the 29th at 5 p.m. We are having a 90th birthday extravaganza celebrating my friend Don Murray and his incredible life in Hollywood. And if the name Don Murray sounds familiar, that is because Don Murray's first ever motion picture in 1956 was Bus Stop with Marilyn Monroe, for which he received an Academy Award nomination and went on to this incredible career. So I'm going to be hosting this. We're going to have different panels of people from Don's life, but I've been booking it this week. There is no actor in their late 80s or early 90s in Hollywood that is safe. We just booked, for real, I don't know if you've ever seen the phenomenal movie Hat Full of Rain. No. But it stars Don Murray, and there's an iconic scene, and his scene partner in it was nominated for an Academy Award. She's coming in to do this show. She is 95 years old, and we just booked Eva Marie Saint. <gasps> Marlon, thank you. Marlon Brando's co-star in On the Waterfront yes. will be at the amazing. Dynasty Typewriter Theater. And she still looks good. She's amazing. She looks great. We are getting in this hilarious cast of characters that you just won't believe. Tippi Hedren. Bo Derek. Oh, uh, it looks God. like we're going to get Clue Glogger and LQ Jones. There's a couple other names we're waiting from, but is it a surprise? It's it's not because Don is booking most of these guests. Got it, got it, got but it. But the way this happened was I did Twin Peaks with him, <gasps> and we were just like hanging out in between. And his part was like this crucial part in season three. Played mm-hmm. Bushnell Mullins, who was Kyle McLaughlin's boss. This heart filled, wonderful character, and. When we were hanging out in between, the whole time I was like, hold on, he's 87? He seems younger than my 30-year-old right. friends. What's the secret? What's the secret? And it burrowed in my head. And so finally I'm like, I think this is a podcast. So I asked if I could go up and interview him and just ask him what the secret was. Right. Well, basically, thank God I did just – I didn't do near enough research, but I saw this little thing in there that said was a conscientious objector in the Korean War and, and then went to Europe to deal with war refugees and casualties. So I asked him about this and he kind of paused. And he told a story that no one knows about. And he's like, he has a humility that is, I would say, pretty rare in Hollywood because he's never told this story. So basically, he's from the Church of the Brethren, which is a conscientious objector church. They're not allowed to fight. So when he, he was on Broadway, he came from show people. He was starting to you know, really kill it with TV stuff and Broadway. And he's on a, an incredible trajectory. He gets drafted. 
He says, I won't go and fight. I'm a conscientious objector from the Church of Brethren. So they're going to throw him in jail. The ACLU came in, and I'm sure also the district attorney talked to Don and kind of fell for him. He's like, wow, this is an incredible human. They negotiated that Don would go to Europe to deal with casualties, dead bodies from the Korean War, and war refugees. There were still refugees from World War II that had been displaced that long. Oh, my God. So Don went over there for years, put his career on hold, came back, was offered a seven-picture deal by everyone in town, turned them all down. Why? Which I can't relate to. I'm like, please give me a seven-picture deal. Yeah. I don't. Well, you can't pick your own movies. Fine. You know how much crap yeah. I've been in? Great. Yeah. Please. He turned down every seven-picture deal. They still, then they, they actually acquiesced to him, offered him a two-picture deal. Bus stop and another one. He does bus stop. He has that political cachet and capital. How does he use it? You're not going to believe this, and the story is unknown, and we're going to get this out there on Sunday the 29th at 5 p.m. at the Dynasty Typewriter. Don Murray went back to Europe, met with Italian officials, and he would indulge your questions, what's it like to kiss a man on the Monroe? Well, let me tell you. He would tell them everything they want to know, and then he would say, I met these refugees. I want to buy a giant swath of land for them to live in. So he and his wife, Hope Lang, bought... Sorry, guys. I'm getting real into this. I'm passionate. Fuck that lamp. (laughs) They bought this massive, massive parcel of land for these refugees to live in, and they're still there today. Their grandkids are there. There's stores. His sons go back. It's named after Don. He's not told anybody. He's truly humble. And I was. It's only I was sitting in his living room, and he's 90 years old. And I think he's stirred by the refugee stuff now that he's allowing this story to finally get out there. Wow. So we're going to tell that story. We're going to let Don properly take a bow, and we are literally going to bring in a cavalcade of Hollywood royalty into the Dynasty typewriter for this panel show. I'm hosting. We're going to have some incredible music, tons of surprises, tons of Twin Peaks people for you, Twin Peaks fans out there. But please come, Dynasty typewriter, Sunday at 5 p.m. Can they buy tickets online? Yes, it's now on Eventbrite. Put in Don Murray on Eventbrite. It's $15. So you're going to see Eva Marie Saint, Don Murray. These are Oscar-nominated talents. We're booking other ones now. But this will be a magical show to celebrate. Honestly, the the coolest human being I've ever met in Hollywood. Oh, that's incredible, Eric. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great. So please come. Exciting. Yeah. (laughs) You don't have anyone else pitching 90-year-old shows. So come on out, everybody. Please go to Eventbrite. Don Murray, 90th birthday extravaganza. He's the biggest legend I know on this town. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Can people, so people will do that. You guys go on Eventbrite, type in uh, Don Murray. Don Murray. And you're good. Where can people find you on Twitter, Instagram? Do you yes. want them to? Sure, please come around. It's at Eric J. Edelstein. Perfect. Yeah. There you have it. And you can find us at The Big Ones Pod on Twitter. Email us your dear big ones or your big, big ones if you have one at thebigonespodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, review, join our Patreon. Eric, thank you so much. Oh, I love Did you, you have fun? I had so much fun. Are you kidding? You were a great guest. Oh, I love it. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for listening to The, the Big, Big Ones. ones.
powered by ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.